Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and today I'm doing a audience Q&A episode about, it's a couple different questions that are all about relationships and breakups in particular. So the first one is probably the longest, it just happens to be a more involved um, answer. So it's not that I'm trying to neglect any of my other questions, that's just, just a heads up. So the first question, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from this person. Um, they basically said, I'm worried about my ex dating somebody else, imagining that they're with that person and doing it in gory detail. My biggest fear is that they might have moved on already. And for me, that would be devastating because I am still mourning. And for me, the relationship means more than that. So this person also said they're comparing themselves to their new, to this potential new partner their ex is seeing, and it's making them feel really worthless to the point where they're afraid to go out because of how devastated they would be if they happened to see their ex with another person. So they asked, why is this so devastating to me and how can I prepare um, and how can I help myself? So, like, how can you focus on or stop focusing on your ex being with another partner? So, first and foremost, what I would tell you to do when you're suffering from anything um, that's driving you crazy and it's making you worry and, like, make, basically occupying you for extended periods of time, make a list of everything that is, that's bothering you that's within your control and then make another list of everything that is out of your control. So, obviously, things like whether or not your ex is with somebody else, totally out of your control. Um, things like what you do with your body and how you spend your time, in your control. The future, out of your control. Basically, you can see in, in black and white what is not at all helpful or practical or a good use of your time just by doing this really simple practice of making these two lists. And you know, I'm sure rationally, that this is true, but you're still struggling. But sometimes the act of writing these things down just allows you to sort through, oh, I'm wasting so much energy on something I, I have no control over. It can, just the act of this practice can actually calm you just vicariously. It's not about you don't know that this is out of your control. It's just about 
some other part of your brain realizing you're creating the pain for yourself. Because this is really about you on you. You know, you're doing something to yourself. And it's it's obviously become a trigger. It's become like something really painful. And that in itself is causing the pain you're experiencing. It's like, in other words, it's not just the thing. It's not just the fact that your ex might have moved on. It's the act of being upset at that thought that is causing a large majority of the pain you're experiencing. A lot of us also have trauma and other pain and baggage around loss and and around not being loved. So that can be kind of pulled up. Like if you're pulling, you know, something like an anchor from under the mud, it's going to pull up a bunch of other stuff with it. So we all want grounding and safety in the face of a fear, you know, in in the face of something that feels like it's going to be really painful for us. We really want to know. We just want to feel comfortable and safe. And part of the breakup process is just sorting through things to accept. So like you're going through a different stage a couple different stages at the same time where you're like, but I can't, but I can't, but I can't accept it, but I can't. And then part of you is like realizing it. So it's like we don't accept a new truth all at once. It takes a while to kind of integrate into our psyche. So we're throughout this process of like reintegrating information, we're attempting to get grounding or hold on to something solid in the face of something that feels really overwhelming. So If you are comparing yourself to who the person might be and you're searching for an answer in what that person looks like, maybe that you have like somebody you suspect is with your ex and you're experiencing them as a personal reflection, it's almost like that that person stole something from you or you are being defiled by that person just via comparing yourself. That is you translating that as an expression of your value. And that is often something that people do when they have very high standards. So the fact that you're doing that, criticizing yourself or or judging yourself or judging them really harshly, the fact that you're focused around that is it points to the fact that you have likely very high standards for yourself or impossible standards for yourself in the areas of a person, you know, personal appearance. That's why that feels like you're constantly trying to like measure it. And I would also say it's when you have given somebody else and their opinion too much sway or or too much control over how you feel about yourself. Like that to me reveals that you relied maybe unconsciously on your ex for a feeling of self-worth that you should be giving yourself and you can give to yourself. It has to start with a deliberate decision to do so, to value yourself from the inside out. And that's just like a process of building self-love. So right now, the anxiety you're feeling over what could possibly damage you um is is all so much more painful. It's so much bigger than it has to be. 
just this feeling you're going through. So what I want you to do is try and reframe the thought itself, this terrible thought. You are coping currently with your breakup. You have coped in the past. And you consciously know that you don't want to feel this way. You don't want to be a victim to this obsession. The pain you're feeling right now is worse scale-wise than the pain you will feel in the future. Like what you imagine in your brain, this is proven in study after study. When we are afraid, when we are um, like uh, overwhelmed or anticipating something, humans overestimate pain dramatically, especially if we're in a state of anxiety or fear. So what you are anticipating you will feel is so much worse than it would be in actuality. In reality, you will handle it just like you're handling life now, just like you've handled the entire process of your breakup. So know that this thing in the future, if it does happen, it will come, it will hurt, you will deal, and you'll handle it, and it will pass. So decide right now that you will decide your actions that you will you will like I mentally I want you to rehearse exactly what you are going to do if that scenario comes to pass. Let's say you go out of the house, you run into your ex, they're with somebody else, and now I want you to do the play-by-play in your head of the most empowering, positive, prepared actions you will take immediately following that instance. So anxiety around something that might happen is really, really common. And what we tend to do is catastrophize. So we, when we've been traumatized especially, so breakups or traumas, um, when we have been through a trauma, we're already in a state of like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't take anymore. So what your brain's telling you is, I can't possibly bear this. I can never deal with this. This is going to destroy me. Those thoughts, though, are coming from the just state you're in, that like you're picturing harm that might befall you. But this is like that act of, of feeling really like overwhelmed and anxious by this possibility is, ju- is the, the problem, the anxiety, the secondary distress you are creating. That's the problem I want you to focus on. Because the thing itself, we, as we've already talked about, it might happen and you will be fine, way more fine than you think you will be in that situation. It's also out of your control. What's in your control is alleviating some of your anxiety. A lot of the reason that we get so upset is certain people just have really visceral reactions to negative thoughts. Like a lot of people don't have, like we'll have negative thoughts and we'll be like, that was weird. Wow, I was I thinking about shooting something. That's weird. Other people are like, oh my God, why did I think that? I must be a terrible human being. Wait, am I dysfunctional? What the hell is wrong with me? Like, so this reaction you're having to these unpleasant thoughts are um, showing me like you are very sensitive to these types of negative thoughts, whereas other people might not be. So what I want you to focus on in that sentence is this is about your reaction to thoughts that everybody has. The thoughts themselves, pretty average, pretty common, 
unpleasant, yes, but like the way that they're re- like you're being affected by them can change. Because basically the more meaning and the more, you know, emotional weight you give to an unwanted thought, the more it turns into an obsession. And that means like it grows with intensity and it grows in frequency. It's just the resistance. The process of resistance makes it like a thousand times more potent. So if this sounds like you, it sounds to me like it is kind of what you're going through. Um, I want you to listen to the Personal Priorities Pond episode. I think it's like, I don't know, maybe in the 40s or the 50s. It's, it's something that I think it's a power-up. I'm pretty sure it's a power-up. But basically, I want you to start building some self-esteem and diversifying your focus. That's just something, an, an aside I want to throw in there. In addition, I want you to know that um, you can lessen your anxiety. And there, I want to give you some practical tips to do that. Because part of what is exacerbating how you feel right now I know you went through a breakup, which is awful, and I know you're devastated and you really cared about this person because you feel a lot and you're a passionate person, which is great. Um, But you can alleviate the anxiety you're feeling by just tweaking the way you're reacting to these thoughts. So, for example, let's say you repeatedly check Facebook and read all of your ex's comments and you are constantly analyzing the photos and when you freak out or you're worried, you check. Like that might be your your habit, your loop of behavior. And then because it kind of alleviates some anxiety just to do that thing, just to check and to be like, okay, I know, that becomes something you do more often. Then you have the thoughts and you're like, oh, I should check, but I shouldn't check. But I need to know, then that becomes something that's, you start getting consumed because the checking actually puts the fears at bay. So here's another thing I know from research, not my own research, from reading other smart people's research. If you do not engage in the checking of the Facebook, then your anxiety and your like obsessive thinking around that thing will eventually decrease to the same level it would decrease to if you did check it. It just takes a little bit longer. You just have to, like, hang out with that feeling. I know a lot of my clients say, like, but I can't. I just can't control myself. I can't stand it. You can. You just have to give yourself a little bit more time, and eventually your anxiety will dissipate. So just about delaying a little bit longer. Because when you check, you're making that that compulsion stronger. You're making that need stronger. And then your bad thoughts occur more often. And that's when you start to feel trapped because you're like, oh my God, I can't help myself and this is all I can think about. And know that in any given situation, even if you're like driving yourself crazy, we all do a little bit of that and eventually it goes away and eventually it, st- it stops being as powerful One of the things I just want you to begin to do is practice non-reactivity and teaching yourself um, ways of of witnessing those thoughts and knowing they exist and knowing they're annoying and not doing anything about them. So I I would Google, if I were you, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy or dialectical 
behavior therapy. Um, or just start doing a daily meditation exercise. This is like a great starting point. I will, uh, I'll like put a link in the show notes to a couple different resources. Because when you can just practice mindful non-reactivity, basically just watching all of these thoughts and not feeling like you have to do anything about them, you, you gain a little bit more mastery and control over them. Like you can face all of the sensations, all of the urges, all of the like fears, and not need to do anything in the face of that. I think something that really helps as well is just writing down those feelings. It changes the part of the brain that is being affected by them when you just name them aloud or you write them down. So I hope all of that helps. I know it's a really shitty, degrading place to be in. And I think you can tell that it's not you and it's not who you want to be. And it's just, you just got to start kind of digging a little bit at a time so you can get yourself out of the hole and back on solid ground. Because you know who you are and you know your values and you know what you want for yourself. And I think what's painful is when we can't get to that place, we can't align with that. It feels very um, confusing and, and frustrating because we're like, I am not this way. Why is this happening to me? Why, why am I such a victim to this? So it's like, this. just take some baby steps. All right, that's the first question. Second one, um, I can't shake the feeling that I was with my soulmate. Do you think there are more than one true loves in our lifetime? How do I know if the person... I broke up with is my one, and should I be fighting for them? How do I know if the person you broke up, how do you know if the person you broke up with is your one, and should I be fighting for them? Well, it depends. I mean, if you did the breaking, I would say there's a reason that you walked away. We don't do things like that. We don't, we're not capable of doing things like that. And and letting go unless, like, it's not that gray, you know? Um, and if, the, if they broke up with you, or maybe it was mutual, if they didn't put up a fight, if, if one person didn't put up a fight, or if one person didn't want to work on it, then that is what you have to look at. There's like a missing piece to this equation. Because you need to both be fully committed. You have to both be like, we can't walk away. We can't walk away. It's like you, sh- you have to like run out of options. And, you know, for a relationship to work, you have to be like, I'll do anything. <laughs> like, and if you're not there, that is all the information you need. But that said, I do feel like we have multiple true loves in our lives. And in, they, can, they can exist simultaneously in our hearts. It doesn't mean that wasn't a true love. And maybe you feel like really this was your person, you matched, you were meant to be together. That might be something totally true, but it doesn't mean that it you should stay together and that you are able to stay together moving forward. Like it might mean that there are reasons your paths are not aligned. But in many ways, that specialness of that bond can can exist for the rest of time just in this moment, you know? It, it doesn't go away. It just can't exist on a practical level. 
Like in many ways, I think we are still, you know, in love with our first loves. But like think about your first love in high school. Like you in a million years, would you want to be with that person now? It's like that's not realistic. It's like you change so much. So I think of true loves and soulmates as like mini, little mini universes. And that's not a degrading thing to that relationship. It doesn't take anything from it. I think you can just think of things as like sometimes they have their own time. And I do believe a thousand percent. I mean, <laughs> I, I have a blend of many different weird <laughs> parts and pieces of philosophies, but I do believe we have many soulmates, so to speak, or or matches. So I would not say like you have to suffer and fight for someone if they're not willing to fight for you. I don't think that, you know, it's up to you to solve for this person that didn't love me enough. Like, there, you have to honor yourself and treat yourself with enough love to recognize if somebody is not worth um, your heart. Second question. My third question, I went through my breakup four months ago and I feel like I'm wasting my time and I'm not getting any younger. Can I start dating again? Or when is it okay to start dating again? Um, I get this question a lot from breakup clients. And the answer is when you are happy and you are fulfilled solo, which I know is like not the answer a lot of people want. I, I want you to be in a state of your life where you're like, I feel so good and I'm so, I just love myself. I love hanging out with myself. I love my friends. I love my life. And I don't need anybody. I'm not in need of anything. I'm not lacking. I can spend time alone. I can be happy. And that is when, honestly, it's like you, you hit this certain energy zone where you're so, you're like a magnet. That is when you end up meeting your perfect match. It just happens that way. But you have to get to a place of wholeness in yourself in order to be capable of offering that full, wonderful, awesome self to the person who is deserving of that self. That is how you meet true love, in my opinion, is when you're like, I am so fucking kick-ass. My life is so awesome. I love me. That, that is the person that's going to meet the person you're like, oh, you exist? You're amazing. Like, that's the kind of energy that you want in a meeting of somebody, you know? Like, I'm amazing and you're amazing. Holy shit, I had no idea this level of amazing exists. And I know it's like you get impatient and you don't want to waste more time. And it's it's like do this part right. Do You, you don't do it very often. And there, I swear to God, there will be a day when you miss it, when you're like, I had such a good time. I changed so much. I grew so much. You'll actually, like, think back fondly into this time of being single. But, like, really take the time and solve yourself and grow to know yourself and love that self and work out all the kinks before you, you know, match up for life. Um, and I wanted you to do this. If this is your situation, I wanted to give you a little reflection exercise to do with your journal. And everybody can do it actually. It's fun. It's a nice way to kind of I think get in get your brain in the mental zone it needs to be in. So basically I want you to paint a full picture 
for fun, of a, a perfect day you're going to have in the future. And this day is just, um, you know, it's emblematic of everything you're of all your goals for yourself, your personal goals, all of them. So what is this day? Where are you? What are you wearing? Like what's take take me through the entire play-by-play of this perfect day in the future. What, you know, maybe you go to a nice restaurant, like who are you there with? And what are you celebrating? All of the details. And I think this is a great reflection exercise to do maybe once a week, just writing out these perfect days, just a day in the life of the future you. And this also just puts you in a really good physical, physiological um, spot, just chemically. It just gets you all in the, the good chemicals flowing. And honestly, I know, you know, when you want a relationship, it's really hard to not think about that. And to be honest, social support, your friends, your family, they are the greatest, the most important thing in predicting your happiness and your life, your lifespan, your health, everything. There are countless medical studies that show just the effects of friends and strong social networks just on your quality of life. So I know that might not be where you want to focus, but Right now, it's for you and for you to focus on yourself and just really build your friendship strong. Enjoy your friends. Strengthen your family relationships because that is how you really grow and you feel stronger and you kind of you foster the richest version of you. And that is the person who is ready and absolutely irresistible to the other person you're eventually going to meet. So I hope this helps, and I want to thank all of my latest sponsors, Amy and Richard and Selena. Thank you so much. And to anybody out there who hasn't yet, I would love a review on iTunes. Really appreciate it if you have the time. And um, I will put some references in the show notes just for anybody that wants more reading. So with that, don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.